Good morning again. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning open to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 as we continue making our way through the Gospel of Mark. We are about two-thirds of the way through, and uh, the Gospel will really start to pick up here as we get closer and closer to Jerusalem and uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, but we are in the, the last third here uh, as we travel along with Jesus and his disciples to Jerusalem, to Calvary, to the cross. Uh, if you found your way to Mark chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 16 this morning. It's on page 846 in the Pew Bible, page 846. Let's pray before we open God's word this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity again to be here and to worship you. We think of our fathers today, uh, some who are here, some who have, Lord, perhaps passed on, maybe some good relationships, perhaps some strained relationships, Lord, just the complexity of human interaction and relationships can be brought out on days like this. Lord, may we give thanks uh, for those fond memories and those good reminders and those strong relationships, and Lord, may we find grace and mercy in you in those difficult ones. And Lord, through the good and the difficult, may our eyes be turned to you as our Heavenly Father, who loves us, who cares for us, who never leaves us or forsakes us. Lord, we thank you for that promise. And this morning, as we come to your word, may you um, remind us of what we bring to you. And that's nothing. But yet you still receive us and welcome us. And it's to those who come as children who belong to the kingdom. Lord, help us to understand Use your word through your spirit to make us more like Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Mark 10, verses 13 through 16 this morning. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Uh, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to be a contender up at Iowa Regular Baptist Camp. And most of you, I think, would know what that is. But the contenders are a group of college students uh, from Faith in Ankeny. And uh, our job throughout the summer is to be part of the staff, yes, to counsel but then also to do skits and other things representing the school, being involved up at camp, kind of being up on the platform. And it was an enjoyable summer, one of, the, one of my favorite summers uh, of my whole life. Um, but on the weekends, we would uh, find things to do to relax. Maybe we would just, you know, lay at a pool, go to a hotel, just not do anything <laughs> after busy weeks of, of camp throughout the summer. But sometimes we would... Uh, we take little trips on our off weeks, and we'd like to visit the homes of our other teammates. And one of our other teammates who was a contender, her dad was a high up in the Hy-Vee Corporation, and he got us tickets to the Hy-Vee Triathlon that was happening uh, in the Des Moines area. Um, and so we're college kids, and they said, here's some free tickets. Sure, we'll go. We have nothing else to do. Um, and they said, oh, here are these passes. And I thought they were like parking passes or just to get in. But these were like the full-on, hang-around-your-neck, big lanyard with the letter A. It's for all access. We could go anywhere. We could 
I want to say do anything, but we could like find our way around wherever we wanted to with these. And the best part is they had this VIP suite and had all the food and drink that you could eat or drink. As college students who are relatively poor, who have been busy and working a lot this summer, this was like manna from heaven. And I remember walking past the guy who was standing there showing off my credentials like, yeah, I'm somebody. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I'm still not. Um, <laughs> but I remember walking in there and sitting down and thinking, man, I have access. I can, I can be one of those people who sit like, you know, up in the press box or one of those areas that are roped off or get the, the VIP treatment. And it was great and we had a blast and we got some like free t-shirts and free food. And it was, it was just a fun time. Uh, on a Saturday during our summer as contenders. But as I was reading our passage this morning and thinking this idea of, this, of these children coming to Jesus and why the disciples uh, rebuke them, my mind went to that because of all the benefits that I enjoyed of that access to this special roped-off area, it had nothing to do with me. It wasn't because I was competing in the triathlon far from it. It wasn't because my dad worked at High V, or that I was a big donor or I was high up in the corporate ladder. No, it was because of the grace and mercy and the friendship of another individual that I was welcomed in into this privileged area. It had nothing to do with me and my standing and all about the one who had given me access. As we come to this passage this morning and we read about these children coming to Jesus and his disciples rebuking them, we need to remember this, that entrance into the kingdom of God requires childlike faith. Entrance into the kingdom of God requires childlike faith. And what does this childlike faith look like? Well, there's two aspects, and that's our two points of our message this morning, is first off, pride and position are the enemy. Pride and position are the enemy. Thinking that you have something to bring to God. Thinking that you deserve it. Thinking that you have earned it. That you are somehow needed by God. That's the enemy. Rather, humility and dependence are the requirements. Humility and dependence are the requirements. As we would go into that area and enjoy all the blessings of being in there, it wasn't because of us but rather because of the one who had granted us access, who had invited us in. It wasn't anything in and of ourselves, but all of the invitation and the generosity of that who has invited us. Entrance into the kingdom of God is the same way. The moment we think we deserve it is the moment we're farthest from it. The moment we think, hey, God needs me, we realize God says, no, I don't. Childlike dependence, a simple trust of understanding that we have nothing to bring in and of ourselves. As we come to this passage, we need to remind ourselves a few things here. That children had little to no standing in the first century. That they were uh, a necessary inconvenience, right? To further a genealogical line, perhaps get old enough to there, they could start working and provide for the family, Um, that's really all in the minds of some children were good for. And so they were just tolerated 
at this point in time. But Jesus uses him again as an illustration and welcomes them. So let's look here at these uh, four verses and remind ourselves of how entrance into the kingdom of God requires childlike faith. Starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. So this is following this discussion. We don't know how long after, uh, probably uh, maybe a day or so. Um, but it's in this same time frame. We're not given the exact timing. But they were bringing children. Who were they? Who are the they here? Well, we're not necessarily sure, but more than likely, it'd be their parents because they are bringing their children that he might touch them. What, what does this mean? Are they uh, possessed by demons? Do they have sickness? Is there some healing that needs to go on? There, that doesn't seem to be the sense. And this passage and the other parallel passages in Matthew and Luke give no account that these children were sick and that they needed help, but rather... This was the idea of blessing a child, um, being a, a blessing or granting them a blessing. This was a very common practice in the first century, especially when a well-known teacher would come to town. They would, in a sense, speak a prayer or a word of blessing over the child. It's very common. It's almost, I don't say it's exactly the same, but it's very similar to what we might think of a baby dedication that we're bringing a child and we, we pray over that child and we say, here's this child, you know, help the mother and the father and his child uh, grow and grow in the Lord and uh, we're praying God's blessing on them. It's very similar to that. So Jesus being in this area, it makes sense that they were bringing children to him. Now, how old are these children? Now, the term children here is one of somebody who is below puberty. So this could be anywhere from a baby to somebody who is 10, 11, 12. In Luke's account, he uses the word infant, which probably should change our thinking then to younger children from newborns up through three, four, five years old, uh, this age range. So these aren't uh, children running around eight, nine, 10 years old, but probably children that still needed to be carried or very gingerly, you know, with a finger taken down the road. So these are small children. These are children that really um, are totally dependent upon their parents. Uh, I'm thankful now as Ezra's getting older and in his words, I'm six dad, I can do it. Um, he can start to do more things on his own. Nora, on the other hand, still needs more help. And as a child, the younger they get, the more uh, dependent they are on those adults in their lives. So these children are truly young children. And they bring them to him that he might touch them or speak a word of blessing. So this is what's, what's going on here. And this is the response of the disciples. Verse 13, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. Here we see the pride and the position of the disciples demonstrating that pride and position are the enemy of entrance into the kingdom of God. So the disciples rebuked them. Why would the disciples rebuke these young children and these parents from bringing these children? It's a good question. We aren't sure necessarily exactly the answer, but I think through the context and through Jesus's response to them, we can see how that the disciples viewed the children as that was, that's my official definition right there. Meh. They're just children. They're just, 
They're just there. What, what are they good for? What do they have to offer? Right? Especially children that are one or two years old. Okay? They might be cute to look at and they make funny noises, but they can't work. They can't do chores around the house. You always have to make sure they're not like rolling around and falling into the fire that's being cooked or, you know, or, or jumping off the roof or whatever it is. Right? You have to take care and watch and it's, it's extra work to have these children. So the disciples in their minds are thinking, no, you, no, just, just stay away from Jesus. You're not that important. He's too busy to talk to you and to see these children. So just stay away. This idea of rebuke is correction, of, of an angry correction. Uh, kind of this idea of like a yelling, like, what are you doing? Get away. We don't need you here. What was causing the stern rebuke? It's clear, I think, as I mentioned, that they viewed the children as, well, not that important. That they were just there. They were insignificant and not worth Jesus' time in their minds. The disciples believed that the children had nothing to offer their ministry and that Jesus shouldn't be bothered by them. Whatever the reason, which I think that's a good, uh, a good reason right there, they are demonstrating what is really important in their minds. Here are these children who have no ability necessarily to add anything. They have, in a sense, no value. And they are saying, you are worthless. Just stay away. Don't bother us. The mindset of the disciples reveals what they think is important. Position and pride. Who are you? What is your, what is your name? What can you bring to the table? In their minds, the value of individuals rely upon what they can bring Jesus, what they can do for the kingdom of God. And this is where they fail. Their mindset is completely opposite of what Jesus has been teaching. Think of this. It was just in chapter 9 that Jesus picked up a child and set uh, this child in the midst of them and said, you know, be warned. If any of you lead a child like this astray, it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you be thrown into the sea. Jesus has already demonstrated the value and the importance of children in the kingdom of God. And how many times have we already seen Jesus heal children, kids with spirits? The, the young girl who was almost dead, she was, she was that sick. Jesus demonstrates again and again how value is not based upon something that you bring to God. Because you think of all the people that Jesus has interacted with. Those who have the power and the position and the quote-unquote authority are those Jesus has been quarreling with. The Pharisees, right? Herod and his followers. They were the ones who should have known better. They had the religious training. They had uh, the background. They had the standing within the culture. And yet they were the ones who were butting heads with Jesus. And it wasn't Jesus, in a sense, who was butting heads with them. They were the ones who saw it, thought that he was doing something wrong. But Jesus has inter been interacting with those, in a sense, who have nothing. The leprous. The woman with the flow of blood. Individuals with with demon possessions and those at, the, at their wit's end who really are outcasts and have nothing. Jesus comes to them and they have nothing to offer him. And yet he receives them. He heals them 
He blesses them. Pride and position are the enemy. The disciples look at these children and they say, they're just in the way. They're useless. They look at the kingdom of God. They look at Jesus' ministry of what can I bring to God? The thinking of, oh, he's so lucky to have me. You ever heard the phrase, somebody thinks they're God's gift to man, right? They're so stuck on themselves that they think they know it all. They have it all figured out. Pride and position are the enemy of service to God. And here we'll read in just a few moments, specifically entrance into the kingdom. Why? Because it's focused on self rather than God. We're focused on ourselves saying, look, I, I deserve this because of how great I am. Or because I have this. Or because I'm not that. Or because I belong to this family. Or I give this much money. Or I have these skills and abilities and talents. Isn't it interesting that the disciples again miss the point? They again miss the point, which just a few days earlier, more than likely, that Jesus tells them that if they would follow after him, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow after him. Jesus doesn't say, well, get yourself up to snuff, and then you can follow me. He doesn't say, okay, here are the prerequisites in following after me. You need to know this, this. You have to be able to do this. You have to give this much. You have to get your act together, and then you can follow me. Jesus says, no. If anyone would follow after me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross, identify with me, and follow me. It's not about what you can bring to God, but rather the fact that he receives you when you are empty-handed. Pride and position are the enemy of service to God. It's focused on self rather than God. It's not denying self, but rather deifying self. We're saying, God, I'm good enough. I'm holy enough. I'm righteous enough, whatever it may be, to be used by you, to be welcomed into your kingdom. It's look at me, not look at God. The disciples were focused on themselves, their position as the screening agents, right? Uh, have you ever maybe, uh, or think, think of the idea of, of a screening agent or uh, so uh, we used to use the phrase run interference. Um, if uh, our, um, at our, one of my previous churches, um, our senior pastor was doing something and he was, he was having this conversation and he needed to have this conversation and we knew that there would other be people who wanted to talk to him. And so not that we were denying people, but he had to get there and have that conversation. So myself and another associate pastor, we ran interference. Anytime we saw somebody kind of come in with a question, hey, can I help you? Perfect example of this is like a bride on her wedding day. She, there might be a million questions that people want to ask her. She needs to have somebody who will run interference for her. Meaning like, okay, what's your question? That's not important. Don't bother the bride with it right now, right? Sometimes dads, you do that for your, for your, for your wives. I do that. Carrie goes in. I'm going to rest. I'm going to take a nap. Okay. The kids ask, where's mom? Why? And I hear this, doo, 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 you know, running for the door. No, 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 no. What do you need? Dad can take care of it. But it's always, well, I just want mom. <laughs> you know, it's, sorry, can't help you there. The disciples think that they are the, the gatekeepers of Jesus, of who's allowed to come and talk to him and interact with him. They are stuck on their own position. They think they're too important. And Jesus, we see here, 
rebukes them. Verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was indignant. He is angry in a righteous way that only Jesus could be. So pride and position are the enemy. They were focused on themselves, what people could bring to God, and they viewed these children as insignificant and really unworthy. But we see Jesus' response here and what he calls them to. Jesus' response is just as striking as the disciples. Just as they sternly rebuked the children and their parents, Jesus is indignant towards them or angry. And it clearly communicates that the little children are to come to him. Look here in verse 14. He says, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus says that they belong to the kingdom, or in the sense the kingdom belongs to them. Belongs to those who are like them. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Do not stop them. Do not not forbid them to come, but rather welcome them. He says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So that, that phrase, to such, is for those like these children belong the kingdom. For those belong the kingdom. Truly I say to you, this is a statement that Jesus will continue to use. This is a, a verily, verily, I say unto you. It's a, it's a strong statement. He says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So Jesus makes some, uh, some clarifying remarks here concerning the nature of the kingdom of God. He said, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Those who are like children belong the kingdom of God. So how are they like children? And in verse 15, and they say, and like a child. And this is important in our understanding of this passage. Sometimes you can look at this and some people might say, well, like a child, they're innocent. They're pure. They haven't been stained by the world. Okay. So does that mean all the adults are out? Because <laughs> I'm not innocent. I'm not pure. Fortunately, I've been stained by the world in different ways. All of us have. So if the idea is that of a moral purity or innocence, that makes it very, very, very difficult to enter into the kingdom of God. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, we need to understand the context of these children, but also in this chapter. Jesus speaks of uh, marriage, right? And divorce and men and women. And then following this, uh, next week, he'll talk to the rich young man of, of giving up all that he had. It's the idea of those who are cast out by society or looked down upon or marginalized. Those who really have no standing, right? Jesus says to be like a child is to come as one who's empty-handed, who is dependent, who cannot provide for oneself, but rather relies upon someone else to provide for them. Jesus says, those who come like a child will receive and enter into the kingdom of God. Those who come dependent, those who come trusting, those who come understanding that they have nothing to offer. They come as a child, wholly dependent on God. And this is contrasted with the disciples, right? The disciples are thinking, you know, who are you? What can you offer to God? And, and God says, no, no, through Jesus. Jesus says, those who have nothing, 
are the way, or it's that mindset that I want you to have when you come. Because when you enter into the kingdom, you need to realize it's not about you and what you offer, but it's about me. It's about my Father. It's about trusting and being dependent, about denying yourself and taking up your cross, following after Jesus, entering into the kingdom is not uh, something that has to be run through a list of qualifications, but rather do you come humbly and dependent upon God. Humility and dependence are the requirement. One author says this, if we assume that Jesus commands children because of their innocence, purity, or even spontaneity, then we must conclude that the disciples' acceptability in God's kingdom depends on similar virtues. But as Mark's depiction of the disciples makes repeatedly clear, that is exactly what they are not, nor are we. We are not innocent and eager, but rather we are slow, disbelieving, and cowardly. In this story, children are not blessed for their virtues, but for what they lack. They come only as they are, small, powerless, without sophistication, as the overlooked and dispossessed of society. To receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credits, no clout, no claims. A little child has absolutely nothing to bring, and whatever a child receives, he or she receives it by grace on the basis of sheer neediness rather than by any merit inerrant in them. Little children are paradigmatic disciples, for only empty hands can be filled. What this author says is that to enter into the kingdom of God like a child is to realize that we have nothing, that we have nothing to bring to God to merit ourselves to him. We come with empty hands as needy children, and all that we receive is a gracious gift from God. That's the mindset that we are to have. That's the attitude and motivation we are having coming to Christ. It's not that, oh good, God, you're so lucky. Now that I'm saved, I can do this for you. But rather, no, it's God, I have nothing to offer you. Here I am. I love the song we sang last week, just as I am, I come broken, that refrain, right? I come broken to be mended. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned. All those phrases describe us. We are empty. We are broken. We are guilty. But yet we come with all these needs, offering nothing, but we find what we need in Jesus. We are healed. We are cleansed. We are mended. We are welcomed. We receive the kingdom of God. I love this idea of, of receiving because it implies a giving, right? We receive something. We don't, we don't take it, but we receive it. God is the one giving it to us. We don't earn it. Again, here we see the foundation of the gospel, that our salvation is not dependent upon us, but fully on God. One author said, the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. We receive salvation through Christ. It's a gift Nothing we earn. We are as children come empty-handed. And we see that here in verse 16. Jesus picks up the children, verse 16, and he took them in his arms. So it's more than likely a baby. Right? Think of little Isla. 
She's fit right here. Just like a football. That's what dads think about. A football right here. You just hold her. Imagine Jesus picking up an infant, a small child, putting it in his arms. And bless them. Laying his hands on them. It's really interesting. If you want to do a study sometimes, of course, we've kind of been doing that through Mark here. But you look at all the times that we are, that Jesus touches somebody or lays hands on somebody. In the mind of a Pharisee and a religious zealot in the first century, it's all about keeping oneself clean, keeping one distinct from the world around them. What does Jesus do? He touches things. He touches the leper. He touches the person with an unclean spirit. He picks up the children. He takes the young girl by her hand and tells her to rise. I've been thinking about this with our Sunday school study of gentle and lowly of Jesus and in his, in his, um, his demeanor of being gentle and lowly, how he is not afraid to have that physical contact, that touch. God touches us. He feels. He knows what a callus is. He knows the warmth of skin. He knows the sickness that can afflict our flesh. Yet he still touches us. He welcomes us. And here he blesses these children, laying hands on them. So what is our attitude towards God? This is a simple set of few verses, but it's so important for us because we can get so much so in the performance mindset of I need to do this for God. I need to do this for God because my report card's coming. My, my job review's coming. Am I earning my salvation? We may not on the front end say that we earn it, but on the back end, we try to. But here, this resets our thinking through these children and through this interaction that those who receive the kingdom like a child empty-handed, understanding that we do not deserve it, that it's all of grace, it's all of God's mercy. That is the attitude that we need to have. Or do we have the attitude that God is so lucky to have us? Do we look at people for their position and abilities? Or do we miss the point like the disciples? Or like the children, humbly come to God with nothing. It's important here to note that being dependent like a child is good. This doesn't mean that we're childish in our faith. This doesn't mean that we just stick to Jesus loves me, this I know, and that's it. That's a great starting spot. It's very clear in the New Testament, in Ephesians, we are to grow up into mature manhood. But our attitude and our motivation must be that of a child, understanding that we have nothing. We are totally dependent upon God for everything. We must retain our childlike faith we come with empty hands to be welcomed in Christ. Coming independence demonstrates again and again that it's not about us. We have nothing to offer God. It's not our kingdom. It's his. It's all about him. We need to continually to fight the pride and the desire for position and seek to come humbly and dependent like a child. So we receive things humbly, whether it's good things or difficult things. Say, God, this is from you. I trust you. I trust you. I love the simple lyrics. I think I've quoted it, I'm sure, before. We've sung it many times. 
but to Jesus strong and kind. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. Jesus said if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength. I should come to him. Jesus said that if I fear, I should come to him. No one else can be my shield. I should come to him. Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on that cross, he will come to me. May we humbly receive the kingdom of God, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with open arms and empty hands, understanding that we have nothing to offer God, nothing. But that he welcomes us like these children. We receive the kingdom and we are welcomed in to his family. So may we not be filled with pride and striving for position in our own minds, looking at others or even in the world around us. But may we come with humility and dependence upon God. And may we be welcomed in to this kingdom. And may we point everyone back Father, thank you again for the opportunity to look at your word. And far too often, I can get caught up in what I can offer you. And we are to offer ourselves, Lord, as a living sacrifice, yes, but Lord, by way of merit or earning favor. It's the wrong way to think. It's not dependent upon our work or our effort, but it's about dependence, humility, of being like a child, humbling ourselves and receiving. We do not deserve salvation. We do not deserve Jesus, God. And far too often we take him for granted. Help us to realize the gift that our salvation is and how we rejoice and understand that we are in your kingdom, not because of what we can bring, but rather your invitation. God, that doesn't diminish us or demean us, but rather it demonstrates, one, the value that you bestow upon us, but two, it should point us back to worshiping and glorifying you of enjoying the gracious gifts that you give us. God, again, thank you for all your blessings in Christ. There be one here who does not know Christ, who is striving their pride and position. I pray that they would humble themselves, repent of their sin, and turn and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Lord, again, we thank you for all your goodness and kindness shown to us in Christ. We pray in your son's name.